All right, podcast family, welcome to 2023. Happy New Year. This is the first podcast of the new year, and my goodness, we made it. (laughs) Thankfully, 2019 and 2020 are in our rearview mirror, and here's to hoping that 2023 brings us better things. So before I get into this podcast episode, I've got to do a personal declaration for each one of us. Listen, may this new year bring us each individual joy, individual peace, health, wealth, prosperity, and knowledge. And speaking of knowledge, that's what we're here for. So here's to hoping that 2023, we get to continue this mission of Clinical Pearls to keep passing out good evidence-based recommendations and guidelines because medicine really does move fast. So welcome to the first episode of 2023, and we're going to tackle choline. Yep, don't forget the choline. I'm going to tell you what that means coming up right now. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves real fast. This is Clinical Pearls. You know, our little tagline, medicine moves fast, is not just a slogan. I mean, it's the truth. I mean, look how fast medical information is coming at us. And I'm thankful that we're not practicing the same old way. And I'm thankful for new data, new research, new clinical algorithms and guidelines that really does improve the way that we take care of our patients. Well, prenatal vitamins are an example of this very thing. I mean, when I trained, I was told that all that pregnant women needed for supplementation was iron because they were iron deficient and that the rest of the things they could get from their diet. But the American diet, at least the typical diet, is terrible. (laughs) They really need macro and micronutrients in order to have a healthier profile and a healthier pregnancy. Oh, and let's not forget the traditional and now outdated paradigm of having a pregnant woman take iron tablets two or three times a day because that was really much better than once a day when they were anemic. I remember telling patients that and then getting after them when they couldn't do it because of the side effects of nausea and burp back and constipation. See, medicine moves fast. We now know that multiple daily uses of iron actually works against them and makes them more anemic. So the best way to take oral iron is actually every other day. We've got a separate podcast on that. But the idea is that's why we have to stay evidence-based and look at the data because sometimes it takes a while for a clinical practice to catch up to the data. And that may be the case here with one specific supplement that's missing in prenatal vitamins. Now we're talking about choline. You know, it's interesting that choline, this micronutrient, which is the other B vitamin, uh, doesn't get a lot of limelight. And it's weird because even though it's relatively newer on the block than the other vitamins, it still has data for the last 20 years. But the trend now, the speed of this information is now catching up to choline. And there's now large professional groups calling for choline's incorporation of prenatal vitamins, although that is tricky. And I'm going to explain why in just a minute. But there seems to also be this trend on social media pages. So this is a quick shout out to a former resident who is absolutely killing it in practice, but she killed it when she was a resident anyway. So Dr. Kat Jimenez, super evidence-based, big patient advocate. I mean, she knows her stuff. And she sent me this text just a few days ago saying, hey, there seems to be this trend on social media talking about choline and prenatal vitamins. Are we missing something? And I thought, man, Kat, Great question and good podcast episode. So, Kat, thanks for bringing this to our attention. You are absolutely right. There's a lot of data here, but here's the catch. Wait a minute. If choline is such a big deal, then why isn't it in prenatal vitamins already? There's an answer for that. 
And second, if it is a big deal, well, where is the professional society's backing? Where are their guidelines and statements? Well, that exists too. And I'm going to get into all of this right now. And I'm also going to show you where the data is a little gray. All right. So now that we've set the stage, let's get into coaling because the truth is we don't want to forget the coaling. Here we go. Now, we already mentioned this, but choline is in the B vitamin family. But the reason it doesn't have a typical number assigned to it, like B1 or B6 or B12, is because those have already been named. <laughs> so choline was late on the scene, and so by that time, it didn't get a real number designation. It just simply went by choline. Okay, so this is pretty big. Check this out. I mean, choline is actually recognized by the National Academy of Medicine. That's the old IOM, right? The Institute of Medicine. But it was recognized as an essential nutrient that has to be acquired from the diet or from a supplemental source because de novo biosynthesis is insufficient to meet human requirements. Everybody good? In other words, we got to get this from outside of ourselves because our body just doesn't make sufficient amounts. And ideally, we get it from diet but it's not like McDonald's and Burger King are fortifying their food with choline. Hey, I love McDonald's and Burger King and not a sponsor. I don't know why I threw that out there, but they'll probably edit that out. Nonetheless, we have to take it from diet or from supplements. My goodness, it's a new year and I've already messed this thing up. You know what? Actually, no joke, a Big Mac sounds really good. We should do that after the show. We've just talked about the National Academy of Medicine, and they're like, you've got to get this in your diet, got to get this in a supplement, super important to get. So if it's such a vital supplement, if it's such a vital component of our nutrition, then why isn't it in a standard prenatal vitamin? I mean, that's a pretty good question to ask, right? I mean, if it's so vital, why is it not in there? Well, the answer is actually much more simple than you would think. And no, it's not politics. And no, it's not vitamin favoritism. It simply has to do with the amount of material needed to put the amount of milligrams that's required in a supplement for choline into a prenatal. In other words, there's just no room in the pill. It's that easy. There's no room with the iron and the folate and the other things that go into it. If you have to put in the amount, the milligrams of choline that's recommended currently by the U.S., there's just not enough room in the pill. It'd be a ginormous pill and it'd be too hard to swallow. So it literally is a logistical issue. The fact that it's not in a sufficient amount of prenatal vitamins isn't because it's purposely being left out because of bad data or something else. It's purposely being left out because it just doesn't fit in there. So I want to get into this in just a minute because there are some prenatal vitamins that have choline within them. It's not like all of them are absent, but the amount that's in it is below, way below what's the current recommended amount. And I'm going to show you some evidence that the current U.S. recommended amount, according to some experts, is actually way too low. It needs to be at least double what that current standard is. And I'm going to get into all those numbers in a minute. But the short answer of why isn't choline in the prenatal vitamin already? It's very simple. It just doesn't fit in it. The next important question to ask is, well, if it's so important to our body, why doesn't our body make it? And the answer, again, is very simple. It just doesn't. We're supposed to get that from our diet or from a supplemental source. And choline is very important as a micronutrient. It does play a key role in lipid transport as either phosphatidylcholine and lipoprotein assembly and secretion. And it also helps with cell membrane structural support, again, like sphingomyelin or phosphatidylcholine. 
It can even help as a neurotransmitter, as acetylcholine. And it's also a source of methylation group. Yep, it helps with the methylation process in the appropriate way. And I'm going to get into that in just a minute because here's where homocysteine metabolism comes into play and why it's important to get this prenatally. So hang in there because I'm going to get you a lot of information coming real quick. Choline does assist with fetal CNS development. It helps with eye development and together with DHA helps incorporation of important molecules into the central nervous system of the developing fetus. DHA's accumulation in the fetal brain takes place mainly during the last trimester of pregnancy and it continues at very high rates up until the end of the second year of life. But DHA is much more likely to be incorporated and transported to the fetal compartment, specifically into the fetal CNS, when choline is in sufficient quantity. So choline and DHA work synergistically together to improve and to guide and to further fortify fetal CNS development. Here's a clinical pearl. Both DHA and choline have been linked to better childhood cognition when the intrauterine environment has had sufficient exposure. In other words, good supplementation. But here's another big catch and a big clinical pearl. Although folic acid gets all of the limelight for neural tube defect prevention, and it's good. I mean, let's continue with folic acid. It's not alone in that protective effect. There's actually good data that choline has a role here as well. Lower serum choline levels in the mother has been linked to an increased risk of fetal neural tube defects, and it has to do with that homocysteine folate metabolism process. Choline is involved in many of the same metabolic pathways as folate, including this methylation key step. This was first reviewed and published in a 2009 journal called the Journal of Epidemiology, and the lead author was Shaw consequences of low choline status during pregnancy can have major implications not only for fetal development but as we've already stated for future childhood cognition and here's the last catch with choline choline isn't just about the baby it also may have some maternal effects some data has shown a correlation between low maternal choline levels and acute fatty liver of pregnancy, as well as a possible tie-in to preeclampsia. Now, the acute fatty liver and choline connection has already been established, but the connection to preeclampsia is a little bit more gray. We do know that maternal choline supplementation can actually lower the, the angiogenic biomarkers in the mother that can lead to preeclampsia or that are associated with preeclampsia. Specifically, I'm talking about soluble like tyrosine kinase 1, that biomarker, and placenta growth factor. So if you take choline, if the patient takes choline during pregnancy and ideally preconception, the idea is that can help with placental function, even with placental implantation, to help prevent that cascade early in the beginning. See how complicated this is? So we've covered a lot already, but just the take-home is it's not only good for the baby's brain development, possibly better for the baby's cognition, especially during early childhood, up to age seven. And it can also be beneficial for the mother because it helps protect against acute fatty liver of pregnancy. And possibly, although I'm not going to get, I'm not going to say it's a solid connection, possibly help with some preeclampsia triggers, all right? Notice that's a key word, triggers, not preeclampsia itself, but the triggering mechanism for the development of preeclampsia. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. As a quick recap, we've covered the stance of the National Academy of Medicine and took a look at what choline does both in the fetus and for maternal health. But if it's so important, then where are the medical professional societies? What do they have to say? The American Medical Association, the AMA, recommended prenatal supplementation with choline back in June of 2017. Specifically, it was June 13th, 2017, and you can find that endorsement online. Well, the following year in 2018, the American Academy of Pediatrics followed suit with their own recommendation and endorsement for prenatal choline. The American Academy of Pediatrics actually went beyond just prenatal exposure of choline and supplementation, but included the first two years of newborn life. They called it the importance of nutrition in the first 1,000 days after conception. And in that statement, choline was specifically pulled out as a micronutrient that's required, that's necessary for proper fetal and newborn development. All right. Well, that's great. Thank you, AMA. Thank you, internists. And thank you, AAP. Thank you, pediatricians. Uh, but we're women's healthcare providers. I mean, what does ACOG have to say? I mean, surely ACOG has a statement. Well, here's where it gets a little confusing. I mean, ACOG has not necessarily been involved in efforts to promote the inclusion of choline in prenatal vitamins, and it actually doesn't have an official position on the inclusion of choline in prenatals. So I find it interesting that ACOG's committee opinion on pre-pregnancy counseling, that's ACOG Committee Opinion 762, doesn't address preconception choline supplementation. Obviously, it covers folic acid, but choline is left off. But it's just as important as folic acid in neural tube development. Now, let me stop right here because some of you are going, wait a minute, folic acid? Uh, I thought we needed folate. That's another podcast topic <laughs> because here's another side note and a little sidebar. I mean, should we be recommending folic acid or folate? Or what about L-methylene folate? Uh, is, is that better? Now, that's a whole other discussion. But for, suffice it to say right now, according to ACOG, folic acid is where all the data has lied by the March of Dimes and U.S. Preventive Service Task Force for, for Prevention of Neural Tube Defect. So it's folic acid. Yes, there's, I get there's some biological differences between folic acid and folate uh, and L-methylfolate. I'm going to get into that, but that's in a separate podcast, okay? My, my point in talking about folate right now is that that ACOG committee opinion covers folic acid, but it doesn't cover choline. But wait, there's more. Okay, so ACOG does not mention choline specifically in its committee opinion, but ACOG does mention it on the patient-friendly FAQ website regarding prenatal supplements and prenatal vitamins. FAQ, for those of you who don't know, is the Frequently Asked Questions. It's a site on ACOG's website specifically devoted to patient-friendly material. So it's not meant necessarily for healthcare professionals. Obviously, there's good information for healthcare professionals in there, but it's meant to be a patient-targeted, okay? So it's not a committee opinion. It's not a practice bulletin. It's patient-friendly FAQs. Well, on ACOG's patient-friendly FAQ sites regarding prenatal vitamins, it's in there. It states, quote, Choline is necessary for the development of your fetus's brain and spinal cord, end quote. 
In this FAQ section, ACOG even recommends the milligrams stated by the March of Dimes and the CDC for prenatal supplementation. So that's why you got to do some digging around sometimes. And that's our job here at Clinical Pearls. I mean, we don't just take a look at one source. We take a look at everything to balance things out. All right. So choline is not in the committee opinion for physicians, but it's in the patient friendly FAQ section for patients. And it does mention 425 milligrams a day before getting pregnant and 450 milligrams a day while pregnant. And those numbers don't come from ACOG itself. It comes directly from the March of Dimes and the CDC. So let's dig here with 425 and 450 for just a minute. Remember, these are milligrams, not micrograms, milligrams. That's a lot of milligrams. And some prenatal vitamins, as we said earlier, they do have choline. But if you take a look, because there's just not a lot of room to put 425 milligrams or 450 milligrams into a prenatal vitamin, and that's a lot of material. Now, some prenatals do have choline within them, but they only have around 50 to 60 milligrams. So there's a huge difference between the current U.S. recommended amount and what's able to be put into a typical prenatal vitamin. Now, I'm going to show you in a minute, there is data that even those numbers, 425 and the 450s, those are too small and it actually should be double. And remember, we're not talking about toxicity here. Toxicity is actually way above these numbers. Now, I'll tell you the safe amounts of choline supplementation in just a minute, but right now, the current recommended amounts are 425 and 450 with some evidence that you can actually double that in pregnancy for maximal benefit. We're about to get into choline's data, but just as a recap, we've covered NAM, National Association of Medicine. We've covered the AMA, the American Medical Association, the AAP, the American Academy of Pediatrics, and ACOG. And ACOG doesn't say it in one place, but does say it in the other. And that leaves us with the FDA. Well, the U.S. FDA has no recommendations currently for or against choline supplementation during pregnancy. However, the March of Dimes and the CDC do mention choline as a requirement prenatal supplement in both of their websites and patient care materials. Now, on to the data. More and more data, mainly out of pediatric and neurobehavioral journals, are validating choline's importance during the preconception and antepartum period, and even during lactation. In December of 2021, a medical team from Cornell published a follow-up study of children up to age 7. These children performed better on a challenging task requiring sustained attention if their mothers consumed twice the recommended amount of choline during pregnancy. The study, which compared those children with those whose mother had consumed the regular recommended amount, suggested that the recommended choline intake for expectant mothers actually is too low and does not fully meet the needs of the fetal brain. This was published in the Journal of the Federation of American Societies for Experimental Biology. In this Cornell study, all women consumed a prepared diet with a specified amount of choline throughout the third trimester of pregnancy. One half of these received the 480 milligrams choline per day, which is slightly above the recommended amount of 450 milligrams per day. The other half consumed about twice that amount, about 930 milligrams of choline per day. And here's a clinical pearl. That current recommendation for 450 milligrams for pregnant women was actually set back in 1998, and they were based on the amount of choline that was necessary to prevent liver dysfunction in men. It had nothing to do with pregnancy care or lactation. So this is why the criticism, even from the CDC, that still recommends 
450 milligrams of choline for maximum health is actually not applicable to either pregnant or lactating women. When tested at seven years of age, the children of women in the 480 milligram per day group showed a decline in accuracy from the beginning to the end of the sustained task, while those in the 930 milligram per day group maintain a high level of accuracy throughout the task. Few studies with human subjects have evaluated the effect of maternal choline supplementation, and this is the first study to show that children up to age seven may actually benefit from prenatal choline exposure. So this Cornell study was important because it really was the first time that a standardized set administration or supplementation of choline in pregnancy was actually tracked until the children were age seven. And it showed some potential benefit for attention enhancement. In other words, it helped to buffer attention deficit in these children. All right, podcast family, in addition to the potential benefit of choline supplementation as a way to protect against attention deficit neurodevelopmental issues in children, there is also data that choline supplementation may ward off some early Alzheimer's changes. Now, let me be very clear, this mainly has to do with adult populations. However, the thought is, is that that actually begins in utero with epigenetic changes, in other words, imprinting. So by having choline deficiency, the fetus may actually be imprinted along with other factors that come down the road towards Alzheimer's. That's why there is a push for choline supplementation, not just for the attention and neurodeficit uh, prevention details in childhood, but there's also some benefit that it may help ward off some forms of Alzheimer's or dementia. Before I give you this mechanism of the protective effect of choline against Alzheimer's, let me be very clear. It's not like Every single patient who has Alzheimer's is absolutely the result of choline deficiency. I'm not saying that, but there is definitely established associations and links between choline deficiency and Alzheimer's. And again, some of these changes may actually start in utero because of epigenetic imprinting. Choline acts to protect the brain from Alzheimer's in at least two ways, both of which are explored in the data. First, choline reduces the levels of homocysteine, the amino acid that can act as a potent neurotoxin contributing to the hallmark signs of Alzheimer's disease. This is neurodegeneration and the formation of amyloid plaques in the brain. Homocysteine is known to double the risk of developing Alzheimer's disease, and higher homocysteine levels are found in patients with Alzheimer's. Choline performs the chemical transformation, converting harmful homocysteine levels into the chemical methionine. That's how it's protective against Alzheimer's disease development. Secondly, choline supplementation reduces the activation of microglia. Now, these cells are responsible for clearing away debris in the brain, and that's a good thing. And while their housekeeping functions are essential to brain health, activated microglia can get out of control, and that's the typical response that's seen in Alzheimer's, and that overactivation of microglia triggers inflammation that can help lead to neuronal death that's then followed by the plaque formation. So choline supplementation reduces this activation or overactivation of microglia, offering further protection from the ravages of Alzheimer's. So again, it's a two-front attack. It helps by reducing harmful levels of homocysteine, and it also helps prevent overactivation or pathological activation of microglia. Now, to be clear, remember, this is choline supplementation in adults. But the thought is that this can actually start due to imprinting, once again, in utero, which is why prenatal supplementation is important.
By the way, if you're interested in this whole choline and Alzheimer's link, you can take a look at the article published by Ramon Velasquez in Molecular Psychiatry in 2019. Let's get back to the data. There was other support for choline supplementation prenatally before this 2021 publication. Researchers from the University of Colorado School of Medicine released a publication in 2019 in the journal Pediatrics, which again bolstered the case for choline supplementation during pregnancy. A deficiency of choline the authors stated, prevents or impairs the maturation of neurocircuits, including inhibitory circuits, possibly contributing to pathology like attention deficit disorder, and we've already talked about the possible association and link with Alzheimer's disease. The lead author on that publication was Dr. Robert Friedman, and you can find that once again in the Journal of Pediatrics. Hang in there, podcast family. We're getting close to the end, and we still have to talk about foods that are rich in choline, and then the amounts that are required for supplementation. And we've touched on that already just a little while ago. But before I get into that, I have to be very clear here, out of true transparency and in fair balance, it's not like if every pregnant woman takes choline during pregnancy, their child is going to be an absolute genius with IQ, all right? That's not what we're talking about here, (laughs) because some studies have actually not found any link between prenatal choline exposure and cognitive ability. But again, that's why you got to look at the aggregate data, because there's some articles that say, no, it doesn't have anything to do with it, and then others that say, yes, it's absolutely protective, specifically against things like attention deficit. But I'll be very clear, this is not necessarily an IQ issue, okay? This has to do more with the ability to concentrate and maturation of neurocircuits. So it's deeper than just having a smart baby. It has to do with neuronal function and neuronal integrity. All right, podcast family, so to be clear, there's so many factors that go into things like attention deficit and neurocognitive development that we can't just pin it on just one thing. However, as in some things in medicine, this becomes a risk versus benefit discussion with the patients. It's very clear that at the recommended dose or even double the recommended dose, it's very safe to take choline supplementation during pregnancy with almost no risk. And the benefit, even though some data may be conflicting, the benefit is there enough to make the AMA and the American Academy of Pediatrics and the CDC all push for choline supplementation during pregnancy. So talking about safe supplementation amounts, the upper limit for adults is 3,500 milligrams, which is way, way above the current recommended amount of 450 milligrams, even doubling the standard recommended amount, as we saw in that previous publication, is way below the maximum allowable dose of 3,500. 500 milligrams. By the way, excess choline intake is associated with weird fishy body odor, vomiting, hypotension, the potential for liver toxicity, and excessive sweating and salivation. So you'd have to take a lot of choline to get up to that kind of toxic symptom. And remember, the recommended amount is 450, but you can even double that safely. And the maximum allowable dose for an adult is 3,500 milligrams. Now that we've settled that, let's get into food sources as we get ready to close. The concentration of choline is highest in animal foods. So if the patient is a vegetarian or a vegan, that's why supplementation is especially important. The concentration of choline is highest in things like red meat, fish, poultry, pork, and even milk. This can make it more difficult to obtain enough choline on the vegetarian diet alone, especially if one does not consume eggs, like, again, a vegan diet. 
But thankfully, there are certain plant foods that do contribute to choline intake, like shiitake mushrooms, beans, legumes, nuts and seeds, and even cruciferous vegetables. So the good news is, yes, you can get choline during plant sources. The bad news is you'd have to eat a lot to get to 450 milligrams or the double what's recommended by some experts. That's why it's important to ask at intake what the patient's diet is and if they're vegetarian or vegan to talk to them about supplementation. Now, remember that 450 milligrams is the current recommendation, but some experts recommend a double that amount for maximal benefit both in utero and during lactation. As for supplementation, there's two main types, phosphatidylcholine and choline bitartate. These are the two most commonly studied forms of supplemental choline used during pregnancy, and they should be considered in those who don't regularly consume eggs or other animal products. As pregnancy progresses, the demand for choline significantly increases as membrane biosynthesis is needed for placental development, increased workload by maternal organs, and to support the exponential fetal organ growth. Choline supplements, here's a clinical pearl, don't seem to have any known interactions with medications or other supplements, so that's a good thing. All right, podcast family, so it all comes down to this. There's only so much stuff you can fit into one prenatal tablet. I mean, it'd be huge if everything that's necessary was in that, but it's not. That's why there's extra things to take, like choline, which is recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics, the CDC, the March of Dimes, the AMA, and the National Association of Medicine. So yes, choline supplementation in pregnancy is a good thing, and even during lactation. But it's not alone. It is important to take omega-3 fatty acids, either from dietary sources or from a supplement, especially beyond 20 weeks and into the third trimester, because that is also helpful for CNS development. So we've covered a lot of info here. I hope it was helpful. I am not for getting information through social media pages, but in this case, the need for choline as being discussed on some social media feeds during pregnancy and lactation is actually correct. Now, I can't vouch for any other details on there that's being discussed because I actually didn't look through that. I got this information again from a prior resident who's fantastic, Kat Jimenez, who said, hey, they're, they're discussing this thing on social media. What do you think about it? So what do I think about it? Yes, choline is very important during pregnancy. Up to 90% of pregnant women don't get the sufficient amount of choline from diet alone. So supplementation, very unlikely to not likely at all to be harmful and, yep, likely to be of some benefit. All right, podcast family, have a great rest of the week, weekend, evening, whenever you listen to the podcast, and we'll see you on another episode of Clinical Pearls.